On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have Rob Dix. Uh, well, I want to thank everybody who suggested that this episode happen. Uh, it kind of came about organically via Twitter. A um, couple recommendations, supported by a bunch of people, uh, reached out, connected with Rob. He was all for it, and we ended up here at this discussion on mentorship and multitasking. Two things that are extremely interesting to me, but I think apply to so many people in the athletic training profession, no matter where you're at, what you're doing. Uh, Rob is incredible, does an unbelievable amount of things at an extremely high level. Uh, So this was just such a fun conversation and so much to take away. So we hope you enjoy it. As always, we are brought to you uh, by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please check them out. Uh, can't continue to elaborate how many things they're working on currently uh, to try and help build out the profession of athletic training, support what we do, get us what we need to do the job, um, and just generally support everything that is athletic training. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode. the show uh, episode of athletic training chat we are on with rob dix uh we got connected up through a lot of suggestion on twitter um that this would be a really good conversation so i reached out and you were interested and then you asked i asked what you want to talk about and our topic is uh mentorship and multitasking which i think is going to be fantastic and we were just talking off camera about how i've got plenty of questions on this so it will be really good to get in there um just a little bit of background before i turn it over to rob um, he's been doing this for a while, uh, doing it at a very high level, been to a lot of very high levels, uh, worked as a professor. Uh, if we have time, I might ask about this athletic training liaison thing. I think that sounds like right. a fantastic idea. We've got some version of it, but I like what you guys are doing. Uh, mentees all across the U.S., 40-plus, um, pulled out of the bio, and also was the 2020 um nata icsm d3 athletic trainer of the year which i can only imagine what has gone into that having having uh, being in the d3 setting but knowing the work that goes into getting that done so first congrats on that but before we jump into the mentorship piece of it just wanted to turn it over to you to fill in anything else that you'd like to on your background before we get going okay well first of all joe man again i appreciate you doing this uh, it's a it's an honor and a pleasure to get on. Uh, and likewise, I've been hearing great things about you and what you're doing for the AT community as well. Appreciate so, that. you know, blessings for all that. But um, yeah, man, just about 20 years in the game. Um, started out, you know, uh, knowing what I wanted to do since high school, really. Uh, I think it was probably around the ninth grade. Ninth grade, I know what I wanted to do. Didn't even know what it was called, to be honest. Uh, I called it sports doctor. Right. There you go. I, all I knew was, you know, I was heavily into sports all my life. And I remember seeing, um, watching the NFL game, guy got hurt. I see the guys run out on the field and they check on him and they take him off and they do their thing. So, you know, I've always wanted to be in the medical field. I want to be a doctor since, you know, like six or so like that. And because of my interest in sports and athletics, I felt like, you know, to do medicine and athletics was a great mess and it's been great ever since. So that was my, that was my direct line of sight. And I stayed on it, you know, since a young buck, man. And, 
and it's uh it's it's paid great dividends um love what i do love this profession uh love talking about it love uh preaching about it love mentoring you know love all all things athletic training you know i'm for so absolutely yeah that that's 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 what it's about man so that's that's what what i'm here to talk about today so yeah mentorship where to start Uh, (laughs) um I'm going to lead you off with this one. Do you feel like having a mentor is required and or necessary for young professionals, but also, you know, even someone in my position, I'm 10, 11 years into it. um, Still figuring out. I think I just, I can't remember how long young professional goes. I think it's like 10 or 12, 12. So I'm still in that group, but Compared to the fresh grad, um, not as young of a professional, but, you know, do you think a mentor is required to basically try and figure it out? Man, that's a great question. And and I, I, I'll answer it this way. I think it's in, in our profession, in a lot of professions for, for, just for starters, but in our profession, I think it is real organic that it happens because a lot of times when you have questions, you're going to ask somebody. Mm-hmm. And then if you appreciate that bond between you and that person, it kind of just happens. Right. Sure. For, well, that's what, that's how it happened for me, you mm-hmm. know, for many, many years um, to straight up answer the question. Is it necessary? I want to say I sit on the fence. I, w- I would like to say, no, it's not necessary because it, it can be done. You know, you can be very um, successful in the, in the business, in the trade and not have a mentor and not be a mentor. Uh, but I think it's a great tool. I think it's, it's, it's absolutely great. Uh, as you, as you know, as well as many others, you know, there's about three degrees separation between athletic trainers, <laughs> you know, they talk about that six degrees separation between people in the world. But I mean, with athletic trainers, it's about three, three degrees separation. It's, it's funny because you and I sit on that, that mutual panel. Right. Yep. And when I saw your name on there, I'm like, wow, Joe's on that joint. So between me and you, I already knew, about four or five people at least the names that were on there right and then from talking in that first meeting i realized some of the other people i didn't know they mentioned people that i do know right so you know it's a tight-knit group man um but no i I don't i I absolutely think it's not necessary but i think it's great i think if if uh it's something that you use it only help you you know um, but that's an inner profession, to be honest. I mean, you always want to have somebody you can go to and be able to bounce ideas off and be able to ask, you know, tough questions. Um, for me and a lot of my mentees, which is funny, I, I find myself answering this a lot. I actually have a lot of female mentees too, because there's a lot, there are a lot of females in the business. Mm-hmm. Now, people don't know that right off because if you look at it it does look and it is male dominated sure especially with you know higher uh, profile jobs and stuff like that but um in my program there were only four guys there were four guys and, and 12 women right and programs behind me looked just like that so the connection between people in the program it was so organic that you couldn't really do anything about those relationships and I found myself later on, I've probably hired in the last 14, 13 years, I think I probably hired about eight women, you know? And when, when I do have a, a job opening, 
the majority of the applicants are women. So, and people say, well, do you think a, a male can be a mentor for a woman and vice versa? That mentorship doesn't have any rules, man, no regulations. Uh, it can be someone that's been in the game. I can be a mentee to someone that's younger than me. Sure. You can be my mentor, you know, because there are always going to be certain things you have in your toolbox that I'm not probably as proficient in, and you can teach those things to me. So, it's, it's great, man. I, I love it. I, I've been a mentor by Trey all my life, um, starting way back in elementary school. I was always tutoring kids, right? So it's just a passion of mine. And I think it is great. Not necessarily, you know, a necessity, but a huge, huge deal in the athletic training profession. Agreed. Um, you kind of touched on this. Um but if you, maybe we can dig in a little bit more, you know, for you, you know, why is it so important and why has it been such a big part of your career? You, you know, you mentioned that it's gone all the way back from when you were young. Uh, and maybe this is a really good time to ask the question that I did just before we hopped on about the, you know, I've been in the, the head role for, you know, now it's coming on seven years and always, you know, students throughout my career and whatnot, but I've always wondered and I've asked educators, you know, if you see somebody who's about to get run over by a train and you know they are because you've been run over by that train, do you push them out of the way and then pick them up, dust them off and say, hey, you just got hit by a train. Like, here's what we're going to do next time so we avoid that. Or do you potentially, like, nudge them out of the way and be like, hey, there was a train coming. I'm trying to spare you from it so we can make the system stronger because of it. Now let's watch out for the next one. Right, right. So for the first part – um again it was it's, it's been real organic for me i'm I, I was telling uh tom and those guys uh what day was that what's today tuesday i guess yesterday i was talking to a bunch of folks yesterday and i told them that you know for me it's i've never met a stranger you know so for me to meet people and talk and and share myself i'm 100 percent transparent at all mm -hmm. times right and people gravitate towards that. So usually during or after most of my conversations with people, they want to keep in touch. Sure. And that, that most of the time leads to a mentorship. So it, it truly happens that, that organically, right? So, um, but coming up through the ranks, man, through undergrad and all, um, I had a mentor. It was, it was my director of, of athletic training, right? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, it was a different relationship. He was my teacher. He was my director. He was doing his job. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It wasn't as if I said, hey, Russ, can I get your number so I can call you and text you at any time with questions, right? Not as a student. Right. Now, once I graduated, you know, we'd meet up at, at conventions or symposiums and we we talk, we catch up, stuff like that. And from time to time, if I had a tough question, he's the guy I would ask, you know, because sure. he's one I trusted. But as far as myself having an, an external mentor, someone who I didn't have a relationship going through the process, I didn't have one. I, I didn't have one for, <clears throat> wow, many years, probably up until like year 12 or 13, honestly. Um, well, that's and then, you know, I went to symposium. Yeah, I went, I went to uh, NATA one year and I met 
a slew of folks that I had never met in my life and got into, you know, some relationships with people just talking about the profession, talking about where we want things to go and all that. And candidly, you know, just started having, you know, conversations with people that I never knew that had, you know, great statue and, and people looked up to. And again, organically, I found myself going to them with questions for support mm -hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. And that in turn created me having some mentors that I could go to. And from that, I met more mentees as well. So that's why it's so important to me. And I, I've seen the work that has been done to help people to get to where they want to be, right? Especially people of color, because there's really not that many of us in the profession, right? And it's not many of us that go through those educational um, platforms. So a lot of times, and I get this all the time, I'll meet someone new and they'll be like, man, you're the first black athletic trainer I've ever met. I'm like, wow. You know, and that's a real deal thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they go through a, a, a program. They never have any uh, counterparts that look like them, right? They never have any constituents that look like them and they get to the real world situation and it's rough on them because no one warned them of some of the issues that we go through that may not have happened to other people. You know what I mean? And that's mm -hmm. a big deal for me. That's a huge deal for me. Now, I want to make it clear. I mentor folks of all shapes, sizes, and colors. That's not the issue. Sure. But there is a true indeed need for folks who are of, you know, the uh, minority of, of the profession. Mm -hmm. Great need for that, right? And that's actually something I've been working on for a while as well. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit with my band group. I think yes. I mentioned that to you before. But um, the second part of the question, right? I think it depends on the person. And it's okay. funny you ask that because when you, it's like, you know, you ask that question and I automatically thought of one person on both sides to that spectrum, <laughs> right? Fair. And so I've been in situations before where I have, I have a mentee that I knew it was coming and I knew it would break them. Okay. Right? So you got to know, you got to know your mentees. Sure. I knew it would break that person. So I grabbed that person by the, by the shoulder, Joel, and I just eased them on back. I said, hey, let me tell you what about to happen right now. <laughs> and we had that conversation. Yeah. Right. And then there's another, there's another situation where I had a mentee that needed that. Sure. Yeah. And to be real with you, I actually pushed him into the train. <laughs> Just being honest because I hadn't thought about it like that before. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. yeah and, that's and, good. And again, you, it, you know, you find out their personality by constantly sharing, you know, because the one thing I find out is that when they need you, they're going to call. Sure. And, you know, having, having 40 plus, I, don't, I, I lost count. One day I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write them down. Like really, <laughs> I want to know. Right. But, um, but knowing them, right, getting to know them and who they are and what they want to do in life and their, um, their potential too, right? You got to know when to push and when to pull. So with that person, I'm like, this is what's going to help get that person to that next level mm -hmm. in their train of thought is to say, you know what? Life ain't always great. Crap happens. I won't say something else, but crap happens. <laughs> and I get up, I dust myself off, and guess what? I'm okay. And that person needed that. So 
Yeah, sometimes you pull them back and sometimes you push them forward. And to be real, the person you pulled back the first time, once you got them prepared, next time you might want to give them a little push. Sure. So it depends on it depends on, you know, the situation. Yeah, one thing I tried this year, which it didn't work out as well as I hoped because of COVID, just the whole thing, and I wasn't yeah. around as much as I just I only, and we only, I only had two students working directly with me. Um, is I asked them, you know, what's your preference? How do you think you're going to learn better? And I just took that into account. That doesn't mean that's all I'm going to ever you know no listen doubt. to, but like no at least I knew what they thought was going to be more impactful for them. Um, and we didn't get to unfortunately to all the things we wanted to, but. Just, uh, just but but you know you bring up a great point though even though it was out of your hands and covid came in and sure. the situation there're going to be some times where we find out you know what i pushed him into the train and it flopped it didn't work right and that's when you pick them up you help dust them off and you get them back on track and that's where you as a mentor have to tell yourself you know what i ain't, we ain't going to always make the right choice that's just life. Right. But this is so this is one thing. Man, I got so many different mantras, right? So one of the things that I spoke of and it came out so I know I use the word organically a lot, but it's true. But it <laughs> came out so easy. I was I was talking to some YPs one time and I just told them I was like, you know, a lot of times when we get hit hard, the first thing we think about was, damn, man, that was that was that was tough. You know, and then for the last few years, you hear people talking about taking L's. So, yeah, we take L's. We take L's, but the way I want to preach to them about those L's that we take, it's not a loss. It's a lesson. Mm. It's not a loss. Yeah, it's an L. Like, yeah, man, I got that L today. But use it as a lesson, not a loss. You're going to get better and build off that. Because if you just look at it as a loss, it's like, you know. Well, we were taught in athletics as a loss, you flush it, right? Mm -hmm. We lose on, on Friday night, we flush it, we got to get ready for the next week. Right. I don't want to do that. I want you to lose. I want you to understand why you lost. I want you to analyze what you could have done better and use that as a stepping stone. That's a lesson to get better. So mentors can learn from that as well. I saw somebody just as you mentioned that, I like that. Um, they had it this morning. They were taking some big exam. I don't remember what it was for, but it was, they were either going to pass or they were going to learn. It wasn't fail. There it was you learn. Go. There you go. Um, and man, that ties in. And I've had this conversation and a couple of people I really respect on uh, the mindset book by Carol Dweck, that fixed versus growth mindset and yep. using the learning, even from when it didn't go well to figure exactly. out how to get back and go through it. I like exactly. that a lot. That's life, man. You know, we, yeah. we got to learn from stuff because we ain't going to get it all right. We're human. We're supposed to make mistakes. Yep. We're supposed to make that mistake so we can teach somebody else Absolutely. how not to make that same mistake. <laughs> yep. But you know what? They're going to make their own set of mistakes. And it's funny because even with, you know, here go that tangent we were talking about. Yep, but yep. I'm a father, right? I got three kids. And it's funny because, well, I got three at home. I got about 400, you know, on campus. Sure. But even when I talk to my campus kids about what type of dad I am, right, what type of father I am, it's funny to them because they see me one way and then they see me with my kids and they feel like, you know, I'm still that same guy. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And ironically enough, my oldest daughter is actually graduating from the college this year. She just finished. Right. 
right? Congrats. So appreciate it. So she's 22, right? And they see how I, I father her. And it's funny because they're like, man, you would have told me the same thing. I'm like, yeah. And I'm not going to tell my kid not to do something she wants to do if that's what she wants to do. Because she's got to learn that lesson, not take that L, the loss, but she's mm-hmm. got to learn that lesson on her own, right? That's how we learn. Because dad can tell you all day long, well, you know what? When I was 22, I tried that. It didn't, it didn't really work. And, you know, it hurt me for a while. And I was down and out for a minute. So I don't want that to happen to you. I don't, I don't father that way. I say, well, here's what's good that can come out of it. Here's what's bad that can come out of it. And here's what's indifferent. Mm-hmm. And then you make your choice. And if you have to make, you know, make a lesson out of it, we'll come back and we'll talk about it. If you win, it's all good. And that's it. But that that's how I, you know, that's how I father and at home and at work. <laughs> there you go. That makes a lot of sense. Um, swinging back around to the mentorship thing. Um, you know, looking at it from the mentee lens, and I, I'm going to go back to something you said about, you know, that you hadn't really found a mentor till maybe 12, 13 years into the profession. Um, that's a conversation I've had with a lot of people because I feel like I'm very much in my own personal way with that is I don't have, you know, that one mentor yet and still trying to figure out who that could potentially be. Maybe I just haven't met, met them. And so uh, that's always a question I have is, you know, what, should the mentee be looking for in a mentor? Oh man, that's should it be somebody that is in a position that they want to be in or has, has been, or what does that look like? And then kind of also within that, you know, can you kind of piece mentorship together because of the world we live in and you can listen to all these brilliant minds and get all this information so much easier, you know, obviously than when you were younger in your career or even I joke with my students, you know, when I was still in college, you had to have a .edu to get on Facebook because <laughs> right. that's all that it existed as. Right. And I thought right. it was dumb, which is why I don't invest in tech because I was wrong completely. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, listen. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Just stay shy away from it. It's probably better. The, the mood swings would be too big with the profits and losses. Um, what should a mentee be looking for in a mentor? Man, that's a great question. And you know what's funny? I, I wish that question was asked a lot more often, right? So a mentee should be looking for someone that they feel like is honest. Because here's the thing. You don't know until you know, right? You don't know if somebody's lying to you until you find out they lied. Sure. You don't know if someone is being dishonest to you until you find out they've been dishonest, right? But if if you're talking to a person and based on the things that they're saying to you, it sounds like that person might have some ideas, some information that can help you build your career and, and, you know, stay up to date and be sane for one, right. Especially through this COVID situation. Mm -hmm. But if there's an automatic, here we go again, organic gel between you and that person, it's probably going to be a good relationship to be a mentor and mentee, to be honest. Now, here's the hard part. I think we're finding out everyone don't want to be a mentor, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's why earlier I was saying it's not a necessity, right? It's great if it happens, but it's not a need, right? So you have some people in the world that are very intelligent, 
they're very smart. Um, I had some teachers, you know, going through, you know, undergrad, going to grad school, mostly. I had some teachers that were very, very intellectual, but they struggled to teach. Sure. Right? So it's <laughs> like- Not what you say, what's heard, kind of one of those concepts. There you go. And, and a lot of times, because the information they're pushing you away, it comes second nature to them. They feel like you can grasp it like that. Sure. That's really not how it works. Again, and, and I've been a teacher all my life, right? And I've been teaching at the college now for about 15 years as well. So I understand if I have 26 students in my class, I got potentially 26 ways of learning. Truthfully, every single person can learn in a different manner, yep. right? So that means that if I'm not paying attention, I can't be an effective and efficient teacher for all 26, all at the same time. I got to figure out, and it's tough. Nobody says it's going to be easy. Right. I got to figure out how to reach all 26 of my students, right? I'm going to get off on this tangent, but I'm going to get back real quick. I hate when a teacher says, you know, everyone failed my test, so none of y'all were listening. <laughs> Well, everyone failed a test probably because you didn't give the information out properly. Right. If everybody failed a test, that's the teacher's fault. And I battle any any educator in the world right now on that. That's your fault. Because everybody shouldn't have failed your test. Right. Right. And so that's that's kind of the way I, I base the way I push my, my information across is how that what are they taking away from it, right? So in the mentorship part of it, it's how can I help that person be the best they can be? And what I do for Jim may not work for Bob or Jane or Ronald or Tyrone or, you know, by whoever. So it's like you got to switch it up each time based on that person's personalities. Like I said earlier, sometimes I push them into the train. Sometimes mm -hmm. I pull them away. Sometimes I have to lay everything out from A to Z. Sometimes I can say, you got three choices. You got to pick one. And it depends on how that person responds to that. So for a mentee to pick a mentor, you know, it's got to be, the relationship has to be there, right? You, you got you to gotta believe in what that person's selling. And, yep. and it is a sale, sure. right? And then there's got to be, a, uh, a respect, a mutual respect, right? Because if there's no respect, they're not going to listen to a damn thing you say. Absolutely. Now, they're probably still going to ask for your, for your opinion, but they've also asked five or six other people. And, and that's another way. Here's, here, here's the, the, the God honest truth that a lot of mentors don't know. We're constantly graded by our mentees sometimes because they're going to ask six people and they're going to look at all six responses. If the five on the left look alike and yours looks totally different, they're going to be like, oh, I might not ask them no more questions. <laughs> but here's the real truth for the mentee as well. Just because my answer is different doesn't mean it's wrong for what you need. For sure. Because that might be what you needed at that time. That's where the respect comes in. Yep. You got you to gotta understand the respect that I'm always going to have your back. I'm always going to try to do what's best for you. Right. I had a mentee the other day that told me when they called another mentor about 
uh, an opportunity they want to take up. The mentor told them they were going to help them, right? And when that time came for help, they kind of shoot them away. And that could break a person, right? So that person was hurt. And I told him like, hey, don't worry about it. We got, we got to get ready for what's going on tomorrow, right? We sure. got to prep. We got to prep for that. So all night long, we prep, right? Needless to say, that person got the gig, you know, so everything worked out. But you got to be aware of the information somebody's giving you and the vibe they're giving off. Mm-hmm. Because if, if they want to able to come in and help you at that opportune time, then you got to check the reason why, because it might've been a valid excuse, right? Sure. But at least reach out. Like for me, if I'm going through something and Joel texts me, Joel be like, Rob, hey man, I'm looking at this job, man. It, it seemed like a great idea. Hey, but man, I don't know what they're going to ask me in the interview process. You think we can run through a mock interview? For sure, Joel, let, let's, let's get it done Tuesday or whatever time. Yep. If something happens between that time to where I can't get to Joel, I got to say, Joe, hey, man, we got to reschedule. If we don't have time, bro, I, I deeply apologize. Like, you just got to let them know that's that respect. Mm-hmm. I have to respect Absolutely. you enough to let you know something came up, we can't do it. And without that respect, without the uh, the mutual respect, without the, the vibe being a, a cool vibe, like, it just, it probably ain't going to work out. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I, I, I get them a lot of times, um, people ask me, like, well, how can I be a mentee of yours? And I simply say, just ask. <laughs> like, that's all you got to do. You know, if, and, and it could be because what you don't want to do is we both assume, you know, you're having a great conversation and you're like, man, you know, I'm still looking for a mentor, man, somebody I can bounce ideas off. And I'm like, yeah, you know, here goes some questions you might want to ask. I'm going to give you all that information. But yeah. if I never get asked, then I'm not going to assume, well, you might need my help one day. You feel sure. me? Sure. Sure. No, I'm with you. Yeah, I've um, listened to a bunch of different people on, you know, that mentor-mentee relationship, you know, reaching out. And yep. um, Tim Ferriss is a guy I really like listening to, and he's got a bunch okay. on that because that guy is connected to literally everybody. Um, but just like him going, you know, and he's talking, and I mean, I think it rings true for everybody, you know, he's talking about reaching out to that CEO, you know, the, the one that, you know, you got to provide some sort of value in how you're asking. Yeah. And just going and saying, hey, will you be my mentor? And then I just want information. Like, that doesn't quite get it done where, you know, if you're going in with specific and you've proven you've done some of your own work and you're just up to a point where you just can't go any further. So I think that that, I I like and that's a great point. So I want to push out the folks. There's a difference between networking. Sure. Yes. There's a difference. Yep. For instance, I have a guy, I give me, I got a story for everything. <laughs> I got a guy that I began mentoring a um, long time ago, right? And it wasn't even the night of the storm, I'm about to tell you. So I was actually at, uh, I think it was in Vegas. First time I was in Vegas for, uh, for NATA. And I met, a, I met, you know, somebody's friend of a friend of a friend. You yep. know? And so we got into a conversation and the guy ended up telling me he wanted to um, work in the league. He says, "Yeah, I want to. I want to work for. The, I want to work for an NFL team." I'm like, okay, cool, cool. I'm like, well, why you want to do that? And he gave me all his whys and all that. And I said, "Well, have you? Did you join PFATS yet? Have you talked to anyone?" 
I gave him my whole little spiel about, you know, the way I got into the NFL and, you know, how it didn't happen at first and then it yep. happened. And then I realized it wasn't for me at the time and all this, all this stuff. Sure. And then, um, so I was like, how, how, how bad you want it? He's like, man, like that's my ultimate goal. I said, well, how much, how much networking have you done? I don't like talking to people. <laughs> like, wait, flag on the play. Like, what you mean you don't like talking <laughs> to people? Like, that's what we do. He's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm getting better. I said, okay. And I told him, I explained, well, if, you, if, if it's tough for you to network, it's going to be tough for you to get to that level. Yep. You got to know somebody. And so I said, all right, look, you, you down for a game, right? And then his buddy, who's a mentee of mine, started smiling. He was like, you got to listen to him, right? And I was like, all right, I'm going to point somebody out in this room. And I want you to go get that number. I want you to go introduce yourself, talk to them, you know, because it, it was a, a social with all athletic trainers. So sure. you know, I said, I want you to end up getting that number and tell them you want to network with them and stuff like that. And I, I don't know. So I said, all right, I picked somebody out. I said, go that guy over there in the blue shirt, go over there and, you know, talk to him, introduce yourself and come back with his number. We man, we battled for like 10, 15 minutes. He wouldn't do it. And uh, I was like, all right, pull my phone out. Got call a number. And he's looking at the guy. Guy answers the phone. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, Rob, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, hey, man, yeah, I, I noticed you were in some of those meetings today, man. And you at the social? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's, let's link up tomorrow. Just like that, right? Hang the phone up. He's like, wait, you already knew that person? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I do. That's the assistant athletic trainer for the Seattle Seahawks. But because you didn't go talk to him, you don't have his number now. He's like, oh, but it's that easy. Right. And, it, and it's, most of it's, us don't bite. Right. And it's like, you know, folks look at the high profile jobs as the end all be all. And that's yep. okay. If that's your goal, that's okay. Yep. Right. But if you say that's what you want to do, you got to put in work to do it. And if you can't simply go talk to someone, it's going to be tough, you know. Needless to say, that guy, he's doing well now. He's a head AT at a um, – he's, now he's back in secondary. He's at a high school now. But he, he did some good work at a couple colleges. But, you know, he's doing well. He's better. He's talking to people now. So – I mean, you know, it I, would been, I would have been the same way early. Just yeah. you know, I'll, you know, I'll just keep going through and doing my own thing. But I've had so right. many of those like the connections that have helped me in my career. I mean, that was my last two jobs were because a a coach called for me once, and b just because I happened to have spent a little bit of time where I'm currently at as a part time, yeah. made a decent enough impression that they brought me back super young, fill on a head time role. Um, but yeah, I, I now. Yeah, I still get a little hesitation, and I'm not ever, you know, opposed to some liquid encouragement to help me. Hey. But hey, I, I will have a conversation with anybody that will have a conversation right. now. Like honestly, yeah, and I knew he wasn't gonna talk to him, but that was part right. of the game we were playing. Yep. All I want to, to point out to him is you never know who it is. Right. Uh, oh man. man. You know, Yo. Yeah. You want to uh, circling all the way back to the Mueller panel. Right. Mueller is literally two hours away from where I work and live. Wow. Like that, they're that far away. I drove by that place my entire life when I was growing up, had no clue it was there. I went to school 30 minutes away from them, had no clue it was there. 
it was St. Louis, whenever it was in St. Louis, you know, five years ago or whatever it was, totally unrelated conversation with a colleague I work with now talking to Mueller about something and now well, not COVID related, but I, I go down there at least a couple times a year, hang out, talk shop, you know, and just, it, you just never know. It's allowed me to do so many things just because we had a conversation. And One conversation. Crazy. Yep. And, that, and that's how it works though. Yep. One conversation. You don't know who the person is until you meet them. Yeah, absolutely. What's the and worst thing you can say? Get out of my face. <laughs> I mean, that's selfishly this whole podcast thing is, you know, again, how would I ever get to meet all these people, you know, other than if we end up at the same national convention, which true. You never know. True. I don't know. Maybe we would have never connected. I mean, the Mueller thing now, but I'm glad we have. Um, <laughs> I have one more thing on mentorship and then we can make sure we got everything else that you want to cover is, you know, there is a school of thought out there and I'm stealing this from Tim Ferriss and a bunch of other people, but I think it's kind of unique as well. You know, within, when you look at within the mentorship realm is you you could, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. Um, How do you see that kind of fitting in, you know, to this mentorship puzzle or, you know, for lack of a better description? Well, I think I, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, most people who do dabble in the mentorship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mentees have more than one mentor and that's okay, right? Um, that's a good thing. And that means that they're showing some lightness of a few different people, right? Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it works out for them, you know, in the positive, in the fact of like I, I mentioned earlier, if they have an issue, they're going to ask all five people and they might get back the same exact, you know, responses from all five people, depending on the situation, or they're going to get five totally different responses. But if all five are positive, you know what we just did? Brainstorm. Sure. That's all we did. Right. And I think, I think that's, I think that's great. Right. I, I think people need more than one mentor. I think you need about, four or five mentors at least, honestly. And I mean, there's no number, you know what I'm saying? The more the merrier, right? But you're right. The people that you spend most of that time with are going to end up being, you know, they're going to fall in the role of a mentor or mentee and that mentorship, or, you know, you can have a family of mentors, right? Like there's um, one mentee of, of mine. Some of my real good friends are also mentors of that person. Okay. Right? So it's like a little family and we'll sure. get on a, we'll get on a, a, a group text and we'll chop it up for the sake of just helping that one person. And it's all love. You know, like I said earlier, man, there, there are no rules. There are no regulations. This mentorship thing, it's old, you know, it ain't nothing new. Right. right. We've been asking people for the ideas for, you know, since the day of the dog. Right. So it's not new. It's just that, I think more people are getting woke for it and, and they're understanding that it is a, a thing that helps out. Right. So real quick, I'm a plug. This is my band pen. Right. Okay. So I, I, um, I wanted to create a space where men who didn't have men to look up to or be able to talk to could come in and bounce ideas off each other. And again, you know, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier that, there's a huge need for that in the minority groups, you know, the black and the brown and the yellows and the reds and all that. Now, 
again, I mentor people of all shades of colors, right? Sure. That's not an issue. Anyone can join the band club, right? The band men group. But there's a huge need for some people to get in a group where they feel safe to express themselves. And, and that's what some of these groups are for, right? And, you know, you, I mean, you know, you're on Twitter, so you see a lot of the groups on Twitter. Yep. And some people frown at that stuff. And I'm like, you know what, let's, let's get out of our own butts, right? And let's realize and understand that it's okay to have a group on the side of people that look like you, talk like you, act like you, and you want to go in and be and feel safe and express your problems with those people and get some positive feedback, right? So it's okay that Latinx has a group. Mm-hmm. It's okay that black and brown folks have another group. You know, ain't there again, there's no rules of it, right? You know, it's okay that I have an, uh, one of my uh, assistants, she's Asian, right? They're trying to get some groups together, right? And we need that, right? And then at the end of the day, when all those groups can get together and form one big group, now we, now we live in life. Absolutely. Now, now we're living life. And all of that starts from mentorship. I started this because I, I love fostering relationships with people Mm -hmm. clearly with people and then i love fostering relationships with people like me sure and then i love fostering relationships with people like me that have issues like me see what i'm saying so i went from fostering relationship fostering with men fostering with men that look like me that's where it came from and and i you know i had to share this publicly at all Anybody that, you know, that might be following my band uh, Twitter account. I don't know mm-hmm. if, how many people know about this, but so I started trying to get, you know, on the social media. Game. I'm, I'm kind of new to social media. First of all, I've been on stuff like I had a Twitter for, for the longest, but now I post a little bit. Right? I just jumped in with the pandemic and tried to get a little more involved. So I'm, I'm totally with yeah. it. I've had it for years. Right. Just recently got going on it. Right. So, you know, I'm still kind of new with the Twitter stuff, but. I wanted to to push some things out through band just to show people what it is and what's going on. Just load up some pictures, maybe. So I opened an IG account and I opened a Twitter. Man, it wasn't 24 hours before I got hate on Twitter. And all I did, Joel, was put a picture of the logo and the mission. So band men. Band, bold, aspiring, noble, distinguished. That's what type of men we are. We're none, mm-hmm. you know, when we're none, we're we're none, not none, we're transparent, right? We're noble, we're you know, highly educated, we're about the people, about doing right. And then men, right? Talking about mentorship, uh encouraging and enlightenment, right? That's all I put on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It wasn't 24 hours to some person jumped on and wanted to tell me what I should be pushing out. Sure. I should be talking about this. I should be talking about, here we go with another good old boy um, men's group. And I'm like, you know, and I told this person, first of all, you don't even know what I'm, what I'm about. You don't even know me. Right. Yeah, I said, what you right. should have done, you, you could have asked what is band men. 
Sure. Because I did have, so some people knew it was me. So I got DMs on my personal account from some people that I met on Twitter. And they said, hey, bro, what's that? And I told them. And I got a lot of love, right? Mm -hmm. This person jumped on and bash, 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 and then had a co-signer, which I told both of them. They wanted me to, you know, why are we talking about men who already run the profession and yada, yada, yada? Well, I let them know. I said, well, actually, ma'am, I'm a mentor of about 20 or 30 women. So I've been pushing women since I got into this profession. Sure. I've hired this many women. Not that I need to be, uh, you know, giving you reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. But just to put you on notice, this is not what you thought it was. And right. instead of bashing, you could have asked. When she says, well, I don't follow groups like that, so I didn't have a, a way to ask you. I said, yeah, you could have asked me the same way you bashed me. You jumped on and made a post about how bad it was. Your initial post could have been, hey, what is this? And then I could have answered you. And that's the thing. That's what's wrong with the world today. People have perceptions and they assume without question. If you want to know something, ask. That's how I've been taught. I've been raised. Yep. If I want to know something, ask. If I go to my mom and say, mom, why A, B, and C? She now reserved the right to say, none of your business. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I don't just jump up and say, mom, you shouldn't have. Pow, right there. It's going it's to get hit right there. Right, right mm-hmm. in the mouth. So, and, and that's the problem with, with people's perception of what people should be doing. Oh, so now I'm wrong because I'm not like you, right? Right. But mentorship and bonding and, and, and group togetherness is never going to work collectively until we start asking those questions and understanding what it's there for. Like, who bashes mentorship? <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a I mean this is one you know coming from a, a different side of it you know obviously being a, a man um, but then white and just finally I say finally you know try, understanding and beginning to comprehend what privilege that brings in a lot of different ways uh, through the course of this year because of obviously multiple things that have happened outside of COVID um, but yeah, like, you know, you're in your position and you know, you're, you're a man like that. You, you can't really do a whole lot else to work with that other than, you know, continue to push positive things forward. And, you know, that's even what I've kind of looked at is, you know, I, I, I am where I'm at and I can't necessarily change me physically. I mean, I, yes, right. we could, that's a whole other thing, but, right, you know, right, right. but not going to, but can I use this platform and place to further and push the other positive things along, hence the group. Like now, you know, when you explain all of it, man, you know, helping people see that bigger picture of, you know, the good old boys club, which is a whole other thing for another day, you know, or just the other diversity and inclusion issues to help drive those forward by helping mentor and guide younger professionals man i think that's being extremely positive and using your platform and your place and you know all the credibility and everything that you've done and brought up that's some powerful stuff and that's what it's about man like i I told um i was telling my assistant this other day because now you know based on our conversation he wants to do more Mm -hmm. you know do stuff and i love it and i told him i was like you know 
with where I am in my career, in the profession, the things I've done, the things I've been afforded to do, the blessings I've had, the, the great experiences, the great people I've met, no one would question me at all if I just did my job and shut the hell up. No one would say, you need to do more. No one would say any of that, right? But because, like you say, I try to use the platform or the experiences or mm -hmm. the relationships I have to empower other people. To me, that's just, that's me. That's who I am. Right. I'm just living life. And a lot of people think, oh, that's such a great thing. You know, we're behind you. I love the support. I love the love. Like, and it's, and I don't say this as a, like, it's not an ego or nothing. It's not hard, honestly. You're talking about talking to people. Mm -hmm. That's what I do, right? And you're it's, trying to understand people before you make that's that it. judgment. Like, man, I, that, I made that argument, you know, when you talk about the world today. That's it. If we could just pause. Yep. Self-reflect before you go and start yep. throwing out darts because you you got to be careful because your house yep. is probably made of some glass too that you got, you know, none of us are complete saints. Like we all have our things and, but just to go and demonize things, just to demonize them. Like, are, what are we, are we really helping ourselves? It, it's, it's, it's a shame, man. And, and I wish I didn't have stories like these, but it's life. Right. Yep. And, and and there's one time and I always say, you know what? I pray to God that that person never needs my help because it's going to be a conflict for me. Sure. That's the type of person I am because, you know, and I was telling somebody this story just yesterday. I'm human. Right. <laughs> I can be petty. I don't like to be. I wish I'd never have to be. Yep. But the way I felt attacked. If that person in the future, ask for my help, not even knowing who I was in, in, in that sense of the conversation. Right. But if you needed my help later on, I mean, as much as I love helping people, I probably have to decline. And it's because like you, you showed me who you were in the beginning. That first impression showed me exactly who you were. And I had this happen with me with, uh, with a, with a professor at the college, mm -hmm. you know, a situation happened. And without asking me what happened, they assumed what they heard was true. And they went off and started this big blunder, which actually flopped on them because when it got to the last person, they looked at him like, yeah, right. Like, I know that guy. He's been here way longer than you. You know, there's no way it happened that way. I didn't even have to speak. Right. Right. Now, I didn't have that sense of, oh, because I was pissed. I ain't going to lie. I was pissed. And this is what I tell people. You see me piss, Joe, it's going to be for about two or three minutes because I get over it. Because yep. I feel like if I, if I play pissed off at something you did to me, I, will, I give you that power. I allow you to, to yes. control me now. And, and I hate that. So I won't do working it. Out. Yeah, I, I will not do it. So I was pissed for about two or three minutes, right? And then I told someone in my office, I said, I guarantee you that person going to need me before I need them. Mm -hmm. Man, it wasn't three weeks later. It wasn't three weeks later. I got an email. Hey, Rob, uh, I want. I was wondering if you could help me with something. The other day, I was pulling a tree out of the back of my truck. Yeah. And I <laughs> fell and hurt my, my knee. Right. 
and this is this is what kills me too in our profession. You know, you got these people like this, and I was wondering if you would check my knee out before I set up an appointment with a doctor and waste money. <laughs> yeah, and I'm with you. We could get into a whole conversation about how that really. That's why I'm going to stop right there. Cause with, it, with coaches and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the middle of some of that. I, yeah. I hear you. Um, moving on to multitasking. Cause I think mm. this is such a unique thing and I've seen and read and heard and you know, what, what is possible and is not possible. Um, what is your take on it? Obviously, you know, being in your head role, all the other things you do, kids, you know, anybody who's just listening, if you were to hop on and just watch any of the video of this, we were talking about it before. I mean, there's two sets of drums in the back, plus a bunch of audio visual stuff you're saying, you know, you're busy and involved with the church. Um, is multitasking actually feasible and to do it at a high level, in your opinion? Simple answer. Yes. Okay. That's the simple how? answer. <laughs> right. The how. The answer is simple. The how is not so simple. Right? So, well, it, it's simple in a sense. Like for me, I, I, I'll just, I'll speak on what I do and, and what mm -hmm. works for me. Okay. And I, I ain't going to take up too much of the time because I can take the rest of this time to just name all the hats I wear. But let me start here. Assistant athletic director, director of athletic training, director of compliance, adjunct professor, uh, safety council committee, uh, administrative council, student success task force, student engagement task force, and I advise Black Male Initiative and Black Student Union. So that's that's just 10. I'm going to stop there. That's Perfect. 10 just out of my office. That's not even outside of LaGrange College. So, mm -hmm. But what I do is, and it's funny because I actually, I speak on this yearly. A buddy of mine, he does, um, he does, he usually does an EBP um, symposium, which I guess we're not going to be doing no, no more. But um, I go down to Columbus and I speak every year and, and that's my topic. You know, okay. how do I juggle all that? And the, the, the number one word I'm going to use is compartmentalize. You got to have a box for everything you do. Mm -hmm. And I tried my best to not have one box spill into the other one, right? But that is tough. So some of my boxes have a little trap door, <laughs> right? So because my assistant athletic director box has a trap door on both sides between athletic training sure. and compliance, yep. right? Because I might be in, in one meeting and I speak from all three hats. Right. Yep. But um, growing up, time management was huge. Right. For me, because I, like I told you, I was always in the sports. I was always in the athletics. I was a nerd. Right. I was in the uh, National Honor Society. I was in the National Foreign Language Society. I was in a literary club. I was in a drama club. Um, so I always did stuff. out. Man, listen, I never went straight home after school. Apparently. Never. <laughs> never. Right. And um, it's just something I, I just, it, it came natural to me. I knew where I needed to be, when I need to be there. And once I got to that place, that's the only thing that mattered, right? So if I was, 
at my um my portrait reading practice, right? I used to recite port uh, portrait and compete. If I'm at portrait practice, all I'm thinking about are the poems that I'm working on. If I'm at drama, all I'm thinking about is the play that we're working on. If I'm at chorus practice, all I'm thinking about is the song. And for some people, that's tough. For me, like, I like the excitement and I like the distraction to go from one thing to the next. Mm-hmm. And while I'm in zone B, I just left zone A alone. Like, like I like that, right? But the, the thing for me that works is I just compartmentalize it all. And when I get to work in the morning, I usually do, uh, it depends on the day and depends on what's going on. Sure. But in the first, in the, in the beginning of fall, I'm an athletic trainer first. Because until we get all this information from all these new student athletes, they can't do a thing. Right. So from about 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., that's all I'm working on, trying to make sure they get that stuff right. Yep. And then lunch, lunch is usually a working lunch, right? I usually got a sandwich or I bring something and I got this um, I got this desk that I let up. So I'm standing up. My computer is up on this riser. Yep. I'm yep. standing up, typing, eating, yada, yada, yada. You know, uh, this year's been totally different because it's been a lot of Zoom. Right. But, you know, that lunch period, that would take up some of my compliance work. Okay. Right? You know, if I got transfers coming in, I have documents and sheets, man, Google Sheets and Google Docs are my best friend. Because now if I decide, which I don't do usually, but if I decide to pull something up from home and work on it, I got it right there. Yep. Right. But um, that's the other thing. Once that time hit where I leave my office, I close the door and I jump in my car, works at work. Works at work. Now, I, I tell people, you know, don't get it twisted. If a kid calls me with an emergency, right, something that's valid, yeah, I'm going to answer and talk to them and work that problem out. But yeah. I tell my student athletes all the time, the first, the first meeting, 8 a.m., <laughs> 8 p.m., that's your window. Because I have a family at home. Right. Now, you know, some hear it and some don't, and some still will send that text at 10.55. Now, I'm not going to respond until 8 a.m. the next morning unless it's an emergency. Sure. But those boundaries, man, we got to set those boundaries. And me setting all those boundaries have helped me with juggling all my things that I got to multitask. And that's it. It's really that easy, you know. Well, I say easy. It's really that simple, but you know, sure. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get used to it. Yeah, I think that's even more impressive even now, just with how fast-paced things come at you. Like it's so easy to get drawn into your email and then oh, no you get work done. No so, doubt. And, and some, of these, some of the athletic training committees and boards I'm on now, whew, it's about to, it's about to get a little testy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's perfect and really really good advice anything else around mentoring and multitasking that you want to cover that we didn't get to no you know the biggest pieces that you know just in case somebody didn't want to listen to the whole slew of things we talked about you know big takeaways is there's no right or wrong you know there's no i mean yeah you can say there's a blueprint when it comes to fostering relationships this is how you can do that but there aren't any rules to the game, sure. right? 
there's no there's no such thing as having too many mentees nor having too many mentors. Um, you're not going to always get it right, right? Even in multitasking, uh, it's easy to leave something out sometimes. Yep. And and I'd be a uh, friggin' lie if I tell you that <laughs> I've never forgotten something. Right. Usually, it's not something so big. Like you know, I met I meet all my deadlines now. That's absolutely. Yep. Unfortunately, like I said, I was a nerd. Uh, well, I'm still a nerd, kind of. But I'm that guy, man, in, in college. When I got the syllabus on day one, I saw there was a paper doing, you know, at midterm. Oh, I knocked that buddy out first week. Because yeah. I knew I wanted my time to do what I wanted to do. Yep. No, you're better you know at I mean? that than me. But yeah. Listen, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy, but I'm like, man, that, that's what I'm here for. Right. And see, I had a lot of, I, I had a lot of other things in my back that if I didn't do it, like there's so many dominoes that could have gotten knocked down. I had, I applied that pressure to myself. Yep. You know, I was blessed to go. I got two degrees. I got six years of higher education. Didn't pay a dime. Nice. Right. Blessed. And I appreciate that. But I felt like I would be throwing that all away had I failed. Right. Or if I didn't really try to live up to the potential that I put on myself. Yep. Because, you know, where I'm from, Mom and dad couldn't afford college. So if I didn't get scholarships and grants, I, I wasn't going. Sure. Like it, it, it wasn't happening. First generation college student, right? It wasn't happening. So I applied that pressure to myself because I knew I wanted better out of life. So I always tried to do stuff on the front end. And because of that, now I'm able to juggle all those things because if I had a, a conference deadline, to get my uh, eligibility verification in, oh, my commission would always tell me, he's like, Rob, your stuff is always a week early. And it's purpose though, because if I send them a week early, if I get a kid that comes in late, or if I, oh, I forgot something, I can mm-hmm. fix that real quick and send it to them. Now they don't have to look over my entire list. They just plop that one piece in there. Sure. No, that makes sense. So, you know, that's why I do that stuff like that. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Sometimes too much. Just got to make it happen. <laughs> I know, right? I know. If oh, only. Yeah, right. Well, before we wrap up, um, the athletic training chat questions. You ready for them? Bet. Let's go. All right. Uh, where do you see the athletic training profession going in the next five to ten years? Mm. So, five to ten years. Let me tell you what I would love to see. Perfect. For the next five I love to see more diversity in the profession. I love to see more diversity at the table, right? Um, I love to see more uh, programs, right? Um, I just I just got named Cedar EDAC chair, District Nine, and you know one of the things that that I'm going to try to talk about and get pushed is something that myself and a lot of other people have been asking or trying to get answers for we want to get some more you know some more programs built up especially some hbcus right uh, right now i think uh well not think i know right now bethune cookman has the only uh, program in the hbcu realm and we want to we want to we want to uh get that change we want to get that increased um five years i want to see more I say more, 
I'm gonna call it what it is, better programming. Better programming at our symposiums. Um, and that's statewide, uh, district-wide and national, nationally. I mean, you gotta look at it this way. I, I've been in it almost 20 years and every year I get that packet and mm -hmm. those courses, they look the same, mm -hmm. right? Now I'm not saying that we gotta switch the whole game up because some stuff does stay the same. Sure. And we just add to it. But there are a lot of new things that I think we could possibly be talking about, right? Yep. Um, I'd love to see a lot more YP involvement. And I know uh, NATA and MBOC is working as well. They're trying to get some YP committees and doing some stuff, but I'd, I'd love to see a little bit more of that because that's who's going to be running it 10 years from now. Right. You know what I mean? So for me, I want to see us start that now within that five-year mark. So 10 years from now, we can look at it, we can look back, and I'd be like, <laughs> Joe did the damn thing, you know? Joe's, you know, he, he Joe's running, you know, whatever committee, right? And mm -hmm. to me, that, that'd be great. But I think that the uh, the board and the association, we got to put more emphasis on that. And we got to push towards that. We got we to push that narrative. Yep. Because as long as we keep saying, hey, you guys, we want you to volunteer. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. If we just send out one or two emails to say we want you to do something, mo a lot of people are not going to move on that. Right. You know? So I think we need to push a little bit harder. So that's five years, 10 years. I say everything that I just said. I want to be able to say some new things 10 years from now. Sure. But, and I say that purposely because in the past, the things I just named, we were naming back then. Right. No, and we're still trying to sense. get there. You feel yep. me? Yep. So, yeah, that's my, 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 uh, my vision for the next five to 10. I like it. Uh, if you could go back and give yourself some advice as a young athletic trainer. Uh, first off, when would that be? If you could set kind of the timeline and then what would that advice be? Wow. Okay. So I would probably go back to 2007. And I picked that year cause that's the year. I think that's the year I took over here. Right. I was still young and I was still trying to figure it out. And the advice I would give myself is the same advice I give a bunch of my mentees now. You're not there to get it all right all the time. That's not the job, right? If that were the case, we all would have MRI units. We all would have x-ray units. Mm -hmm. We all would have any, any other diagnostic tool that doctors use to be able to confirm or deny whether an injury occurred, right, sure. or a diagnosis. Um, because I think when we're younger, and especially when we're young and in charge, man, we feel like if, we, if we're if we wrong or if we can't figure it out, like, that's bad. No, it's not bad. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and what, um, what ended up happening, the advice I would give myself back then Later on, I found out that if I sit down, relax, take a deep breath, and go from first to worst, I cover my boundaries, right? And I let people know, all right, here's what I think it could be. 
and it could be either A, B, or C. This is on the minor end. This is on the major end. Because I think a lot of times that can that can freak some some young people out. And you know, it freaked me out. I had a kid that during the game he hurt his knee. I test him out, do my on field eval, get him up. We walk off the field, I get my off the field eval going, and everything pretty much checks out okay. Feels like capsular sprain. Even my doc checked him out right there on the, mm-hmm. on the sideline, you know. And we agreed. That's why it didn't hurt me too, too bad. But that was the first official big-time deal in that moment that I had in charge. Kid had torn his ACL. And I beat myself up for, you know, for a while about it. Yeah. But I'm like, you know, there's no way in the world I could have known that, right? Sure. Because what happened was, and this was a special case, it tore, but it wrapped around the PCL. Interesting. So that's why I didn't. That's why I didn't get a Lockman. Huh. That's why I didn't get an anterior drawer. Because it wrapped around and, and lodged on the PCL and got stuck. So it felt tight, right? So we started rehabbing. And, you know, a few weeks later, he's getting better, but he still has some instability. So Doc says, okay, well, it's been two weeks. Let's go ahead and shoot a picture. Hey, yep. you know, and, and I learned from that. But back then, oh, man, I was I was torn up. And one other thing I, I, I would give – myself uh, advice for have boundaries and I do that now I tell I tell all my mentees that now go ahead yep. and set boundaries and stick stick to it and that's okay you can't be everything for everybody all the time I agree I think that is huge advice <laughs> what has been the most influential resource you have found in your career oh man um, relationships I kind of figured that's where it was going, yeah. but I wanted to give you the opportunity to answer the question. No doubt, bro. Relationships. Perfect. That I mean, that's simple. I mean, I, I I could go further into it, but I think that's that's what the whole talk's been about. I I think that sums it up. <laughs> Absolutely. If you could go and change or eliminate one thing, and that could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset, or something else that you come up with in the field of athletic training, what would it be? mindset mindset for starters and and it's layered right so i would change mindset the first the first layer of the mindset i would i would change is let's not pigeonhole ourselves right again i talk to a lot of people and i cringe sometimes when someone tells me i would never don't say that you're pigeonholing yourself. Yep. Because that I would never might be just what you need. Sure. You know, um, mindset. Let's stop being so negative all the time. Right? Now, don't get it twisted. I think there's a lot of things that the association could do better. And, you know, let's let them work on it. You know, um, I'm working with BOC with some stuff now. There's some, there's some things... BOC's working on for the profession, but, and it's okay to put your feelings out there. It's okay to ask questions, but when we just straight up say, this is crap, you know, what's my money going towards, yada, 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 yada. If you got all those issues without any resolutions, 
Shut up. <laughs> I mean, that, I'm going to call it a bean, right? If you got all those issues and you got nothing to bring to the table to help, you're, you voicing your issues aren't helping, right? Right. But if you have an issue and you say, hey, have you ever thought about, or hey, I have an idea, let's talk. Right. But if you say, I don't like, and I say, okay, what would you do about it? I mean, I don't know. I just don't like it. Stop saying that. Yeah, I, I've gone. I think that's a great point. I, you know, I used to be, and I've evolved in my own leadership. You know, like, if you don't like something, come with a solution. Okay. Right. I like the, I, I've kind of gone back from that to more of what you said, like come with an idea or some thoughts on it because you may not be able to come up with the solution because you're not working with all the information and it would be not right for me to assume that you would be able to come up with it because there's so many other things that you just don't know. But yeah, yeah again, if you're not coming at least with something to potentially add to it, well, now we're just yelling. And That's I totally it. agree with you of the, you know, our profession and I'm sure this is other professions and this, this is the only one I you know pay attention to obviously is like we've got so many issues outside of the profession that we need to address but we can't seem to get out of our own way on so many things within the profession that how are yeah. we ever going to get there and that, that could, yeah I we could go all day on that one bro yes yeah and maybe we will have to at some point and I'm, I'm and there's a few more mindsets but I'm gonna leave it there Right. No, that, that's pigeon a good one. I, I agree. Whole pigeonholing and, and being negative, man. I don't like yeah. that. Final question. Uh, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Jeez. The world. <laughs> the world. This is, man, I've had so many different um, experiences, right? That oh, man. places I've been, people I've seen. Um, people I've met, I mean, and you know, it baffles me how <laughs> folks will look at me, look at my career, look at, you know, read my bio, look at the things that I've done. And, you know, they'll be, uh, you don't want to go to a D1 school. You don't want to go back to the NFL. I'm like, <laughs> first of all, why do you think that first I'm, I'm not unhappy. Let's start. Mm -hmm. there. I'm not unhappy. I'm very happy. Right. Let's start there. But it's like, again, they look at these high profile jobs and they think that you hadn't made it until you do this. And I'm yeah. like, that is not the thing. Like I've, I've been in that ranking before. It was great. It was, it was my ultimate goal. I did that at 21, 22. I got a piece of what that life feels like and looks like. I left that because of my family, mm -hmm. right? And my, I can't even say quality of life because not that it was quality of life for me. I just didn't see my family. Sure. I had a four-year-old daughter that I saw, I want to say once in like two months. And the yep. two times I was able to leave and I saw my family, it was only because my mom got sick. Like, who, who wants to do it? I had a 28-hour day. We loaded the bus, went to the airport, flew to D.C., played the Redskins, loaded the bus. I got the call from my sister after the game on the way to the bus because I missed the call during the game, mm -hmm. right? So I get the call. We go back to the airport, fly back to Atlanta, get off the bus, get in my car, drive straight back home home to Augusta, 
to check on my mom. Well, I was tired as crap, but I couldn't show that because she's in the hospital. Right. So I got to go make sure all is well, right? And then because of that trip, I see my daughter for a few hours, right? Then I pack my bag. The next day, I drive back to Flower Branch, right? I, I didn't, like, no, that, that's not the life at that time for me. Now, if I was single, didn't have any kids, probably would have stayed, right? Yeah. But everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer in that. And in that time of my life, my season was to get out of there, come here, have a little more quality of life, work, work uh, life balance, yep. and be there for my family. And that's what I've been doing for the last, I don't know how many years. And people say, well, have you not thought of leaving? I mean, I had some opportunities to go other places that it wasn't, it wasn't the opportunity that I wanted, yep. right? And what was the, they didn't offer enough money. One thing you don't have to worry about about Rob, he can't be bought. It's not about the money. Sure. Right? Don't get me wrong. We have to pay bills. I love, I tell people this all the time, they laugh. I love paying bills. They're like, what? No, I, I love being able to pay my bills. Yeah. Like that gives me a sense of like I'm 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 a man. Like I'm yep. that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right? People laugh at that. But I'm like, no, I, I love being in and I pay my bills. My bills are paid, you know, everything's paid for. I'm I'm fine. Like my kids have clothes, we eat, they go to school. I'm fine. So it's never that. But I'm happy. Right? So me being able to do all the things I've done in this profession. You know, I've been to Alaska, <laughs> like, and and it's from this place, right? Yeah. You know, went to Maine twice, Colorado twice, that like California, been a lot. I wouldn't have been able to do that this way without being here For and sure. doing what I do, right? And meeting the people that I've met. And, you know, it's just, I don't know, it, it's the word, it means the world to me because I'm able to still practice medicine. And be around athletics. The two absolutely. things I love. Two yep. things I absolutely love. That's it. The world. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, before we sign off, if people wanted to follow you, get in touch, uh, what is the best way for them to connect up with you? All right. So it's funny you asked it that way. Because <laughs> I would say, hey, shoot me a text. Call. Like, I, I'm, I'm that person, man. I, I don't mind giving my number out. But I ain't going to do that right now. Um so Instagram, Instagram, I am R-O-B underscore D-S-R. That's Rob D. Senior on Instagram. And then on Twitter, I'm R-O-B D-S-R 33. Rob D. Senior 33. Got it. I think I'm on Facebook too, but I don't think nobody really used that no more. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Well, I just want to say thanks for being on. Uh, I I personally took a lot out of this, and I'm already going to throw it out there that we will have to do a follow conversation at some point in the future. Hopefully, maybe in person. You know, when a convention happens and COVID's not there, but okay. um, I, I, the insight and the takeaway is truly appreciate your time. I appreciate you, man. Like I said earlier, brother, it's a it's an honor and a pleasure. Um, glad to be able to, to, to put my voice on this thing and, you know, to be able to put it out there in, in the atmosphere. Um, hopefully, 
somebody can learn something from it. If one person get, gets one idea or, you know, something they can use, it's all for the good for me. And if anybody takes that information I just sent out to, to, to follow me and, and hit me up, just know I'm going to hit you back. I'm a real person, right? So, but, man, I appreciate you doing this, having this platform for the profession, period. You know, whether or not I ever got on, it's awesome, man. You know, I think this is what we need. You know, we need stuff like this. And, and I applaud you for going out and making that happen. You know what I mean? Well, thank you and appreciate that. And like I said, we're lucky because, I mean, I've got, we've gotten to meet so many cool people that no you just probably wouldn't have connected up with and had some really, yeah. really good conversations. So, right. all right, sir. Well, appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. Blessings, bro.